five, four, three, two, one. Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 39 of One Man Watchpoint and Overwatch Podcast. This is, of course, a podcast where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. If this is your first episode, I'm your host, Sir Dr. JM. That's at Sir DRJM. You can find me on all socials, but why not go find me on Twitter? Follow me there. Reach out to me. Um, talk to me about the show. Talk to me about Overwatch. Talk to me about questions you have or things, topics, whatever. And I'd be happy to discuss them on next week's episode because I'd love to interact with you. Now, you can, of course, find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services out there, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc., etc. I did discover after last week's show that there was a bit of an issue with uh, Spotify, oddly enough, um, which seemingly was one of the easier ones to set up initially. Um, I'm not sure when the issue happened, but I just randomly decided to check if uh, the show was posting there, and I, I couldn't even find the show. I, it showed up in my history. I could see the, the graphic and everything. But as soon as I like tried to click on it, uh, it just was like, cannot load. And I was like, huh, this is interesting. So anyways, I stayed up a little late that night, even though I was recording and posting very late. And uh, I got it all sorted out and everything. And it appears to be all better now. But if you use a podcast service and you cannot find One Man Watchpoint on there, please let me know. And as I mentioned, Twitter is the best way. That's at SirDRJM. Now... For today's show, we're a little light on news. Obviously, uh, things are rolling in the Overwatch League, so we've got some stuff to cover there. But we'll cover the few stories that I scrounged up from around the internet. Then we will take a deep dive into last week's games in the Overwatch League. And, of course, we'll look at the upcoming May Melee Tournament happening this weekend, uh, technically starting on Thursday. And, uh, yeah, that's going to be the show. So, without further ado, let's dive on in. Playtime's over. All right, so our first story this week is going to take us over to DottieSports.com, and this time we're going to be looking at an article from April 28th last week, posted by Scott Dew, and it reads, Here's how to get May's legendary MMA skin in Overwatch. May is getting an awesome new legendary skin to commemorate the Overwatch League's May Melee Tournament. The MMA skin for May suits her up in an MMA fighter outfit, complete with fighting gloves, a fighter's robe, and some sweet-looking MMA fighter braided hair. The skin was, quote, inspired by the intensity and distinctive fashion of mixed martial arts and is the first tournament-inspired concept brought to life in the game, end quote, according to Blizzard. Quote, since the May Melee is the first Overwatch League tournament of the year, we wanted to, des to design a skin that represents the peak of competition, end quote. Blizzard said, quote, we felt combat sports like boxing and MMA embodied the theme well and used this to begin designing the legendary skin. Last year, we saw others in the community having fun with the May May pun and therefore felt May was the obvious hero choice for a May Melee skin, end quote. Here's how to grab the skin before it's gone. MMA will be available for 200 league tokens from April 28th through May 11th. Once it's gone, it's gone, so be sure to grab it as soon as possible. The skin can be found for purchase in the Overwatch League section of the game's main menu. League tokens can be earned by matching by watching OWL matches with a YouTube account that's linked to your Battle.net account. Linking accounts is easy and quick. And of course, they have a link in that final sentence of their article to uh, how to link your Battle.net to your YouTube account. So, bringing this one up, because if you didn't see this skin, it is a pretty cool-looking skin. Um, I think they, they really did do a good job designing it to look like an MMA fighter. Um, there has been some scuttlebutt controversy on the internet about uh, the cultural appropriation of this skin using cornrows on May's hair when, uh, you know, typically cornrows are associated with the black community. Um... I didn't actually include any articles about that, however, they are not hard to find, so if you'd like to, go f seek that out, and you will certainly be able to find information on it. Um, aside from that, it is a nice kind of interesting, kind of cool skin, um, you know, May's little frost cannon on her back there, or the, the, the ice tank, I guess, uh, is designed to look like a punching bag, she's got punching gloves on, boxing gloves, I should say, punching gloves, wow, do I sports? Um, and it's branded to look just like, you know... Uh, MMA fighter branding and everything so certainly a cool one um, an exciting one especially given that we already know we are also getting a skin uh, because of the uh, the vote that took place on Twitter 
I believe that was last week. Um, so kind of cool that they're doing this this tournament skin as well. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing if they do something like this for the June, I believe it's called the June Joust. Is that right? I'm trying to pull something up and see if I can find anything here. Uh, June Joust, it is the June Joust again. The Summer Showdown and, and the Countdown Cup as well. Sure would be cool to see a, a, a skin for each of those tournaments. Um, and especially given that, you know, they already talked about they're removing the MVP skins, uh, whether or not that was due to controversy around Sinatra's skin, uh, is, is unconfirmed, but, uh, if this is what they've been planning and they, they were planning for that, uh, MVP skin to be the final, uh, because of this deluge of new skins, then, hey, maybe that's a nice balance, but I digress. Moving on from there, our second story here, a little bit more niche, but I wanted to cover it nonetheless for some international uh, viewers, listeners out there. And this one comes from Esports Insider, posted by Henrietta Herlikova, and it reads, Activision Blizzard expands media rights deal with Sport One. Activision Blizzard has expanded its distribution rights with German television broadcaster Sport One. The multi-year agreement re renews the broadcaster's TV-exclusive rights to the Overwatch League across Germany, Austria, and Switzerland. Additionally, the broadcaster also acquired rights to air the Hearthstone Masters, Masters Tour Grandmasters, World of Warcraft Arena World Championship, and Mythic Dungeon Invitational Live on its Esports One and Esports One channels. Those are, of course, spelled differently, just because it, you know, I, I read it, so it didn't exactly sound different, but you get what I'm going for. Brandon Snow, Chief Revenue Officer, Leagues at Activision Blizzard, spoke on the announcement in a release. Quote, Sport One has been key in introducing new fans to Overwatch League and Hearthstone throughout Europe and the German-speaking region. We are thrilled to continue bringing these epic competitions to all of our fans in the region while expanding this deal with World of Warcraft's premier programs. The announcement follows on from the conclusion of its initial two-year deal signed alongside the launch of Sports One's esports channel in German-speaking regions in 2019. By the end of 2020, Sport One launched its second pan-European esports channel, Sports One, again spelled differently, which is currently distributed, distributed in Belgium, Netherlands, Czech Republic, Slovakia, Norway, and Sweden. Daniel Von Boos, COO TV and member of the management of Sport One, GmbH, commented, quote, By extending our partnership with Activision Blizzard to the pan-European region, we gain another central content partner for our first international channel project. The extension of our cooperation with one of the most important global players strengthens the portfolio of our two-pay two channels for the coming years and together with our par other partners forms a strong basis for further growth in the esports area. End quote. Sport One GmbH other esports content partners includes the likes of ESL, NBA 2K League, and Psionics. Esports Insider says, The expansion of the partnership indicates that both parties are happy with their past collaborative work and are willing to continue working together in pursuit of highlighting esports to a mainstream audience. And there you have it. I like how the Esports Insider uh, does that little Esports Insider says uh, uh, a sentence or two at the end of all their articles. I dig that. That's kind of a kind of a cool feature that uh, most places don't really show. And I like that they, you know, stick to the facts in their articles, and then they throw in that little uh, little comment, little segment on on their own personal uh, or the the writer's personal opinion there. So, anyways, um, nice one to hear there. Always good to hear the the Overwatch League and and you know esports in general. Um, attempting to make strides to widen their audience, uh, be it, you know, traditional television or otherwise. I definitely do question, um, you know, how much of an impact that really truly makes, given that I know personally, like, although I still have cable, the only things I use it for are essentially news, which really I prefer to use the internet for that anyways. And honestly, traditional sports, um, you know, if, if I'm seeking out esports, I will more often than not be seeking that, you know, in channels that I know I can find it, um, YouTube or, or Twitch or, you know, just honestly, you can pretty well Google around and find most, most of the places to watch um, the major esports. Whereas I, I definitely am not thinking, hey, I'm going to go check the sports channel on, on my cable box. But, you know, I digress. Maybe people will. And maybe that's not the idea either. I, I would honestly assume that the idea is uh, 
basically you get that that flipping mentality of you know people browsing for something on traditional cable and they come across esports and start watching in some form or another and uh, that spurs them on to become a fan or, or a bigger participant in some capacity so anyways i digress as they pointed out in the article there this obviously does mean that uh, activision blizzard and uh, sport one are seeing benefits from this deal so they're extending it now Moving on from there, we're going to go back to .esports, and this time we're going to bring in an article from Liz Richardson, posted on May 3rd, and it reads like this, and this will actually transition nicely into our OWL recap, where we will look at the previous week's matches. Um, so this will spoil a little bit of that, but uh, I'm going to read it anyways, because she does do a nice job of recapping the... Uh, uh, not, not quite recapping, but talking about what to expect in the coming week. So the article reads like this. Here are the Overwatch League May Melee teams. The 2021 season's first tournament kicks off on May 6th. After weeks of qualifier matches, four top Overwatch League teams will be taking part in an international showdown to crown the 2021 season's first tournament champion. The first of four planned tournaments for the season, the May Melee, will begin on May 6th and run through May 8th. Two of the best Western teams will be headed to Hawaii this week for better ping, where they will take on the two best East teams. While the winner of this tournament will get infinite bragging rights, the team will also take home $100,000 and three extra, quote, league points for better postseason placement. They then have the uh, tweet from the Overwatch League embedded in the article there, and it reads, The May Melee bracket is set. Uh, hand raise emoji. I also, just side note, I'm watching The Circle right now on Netflix. I love the show. Um, I know you can hate me for it, but I, I absolutely love it. And so they, they on the show, if, if you haven't watched, they, uh, I mean, I won't describe the whole premise of the show, but they have to say messages that they're sending, and they have to say the description of an emoji to make the system, you know, display that emoji and then send it in the message. So that's what I just did with the hand raise emoji. Anyways, I digress. Uh, the tweet continues. The East will finally clash with the West courtesy of our tournament host at UH Manoa. I'm guessing that's the university. Yeah, University of Hawaii at Manoa. Matches begin Thursday at 7.30 p.m. PT. And then they have a graphic there of the, um, of the actual bracket, which I will pull up here. And it looks like this. Uh, do, 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 tournament weekend. So Thursday, May 6th at 7 p.m. These are, these times are in PT because they're in Hawaii. I'm assuming anyways. Uh, match one is going to be the Florida Mayhem against the Shanghai Dragons. Match two is also on Thursday at 8.30 p.m. PT. And it will be the Chengdu Hunters against the Dallas Fuel. The loser of that of match one and match two will fall to a loser's bracket to play on Friday. And the winners of both of those games will move on to play in a winner's match on Friday. Meanwhile, we will also get a third loser's bracket match on Friday uh, featuring the winner of the first loser's bracket match and then the loser of the previous winner's bracket match. And then the uh, tournament will, uh, the final will happen on Saturday in the evening there. Now, Rewinding a little bit to Liz's article here. East Region. The East Region knockouts began with a wild match when the first-seeded Philadelphia Fusion took on the Shanghai Dragons. Despite a fourth-seed placement, the Dragons have been considered favorites in the East Region against an evolving Fusion squad. Over the course of six maps that included a draw, Philadelphia and Shanghai traded blows with mind games with one another. In the end, Shanghai took the win with a 3-2 scoreline and dethroned the first seed. Seoul Dynasty, the region's second seed, has a history of activating the powers of, quote, playoffs profit, referring to DPS Park Prophet Jung Young's ability to clutch fights when it matters most. Even the playoffs buff couldn't boost them against the Chengdu Hunters, though, who have become the region's most unexpected stars. With a 3-1 win against the Seoul Dynasty, the Chengdu Hunters will advance with the Shanghai Dragons to the May Melee Finals bracket. They'll both face off against the top Western teams to decide an international champion. West Region. After rolling through the Toronto Defiant in the, in the day's first knockout match, the Florida Mayhem moved on to face the West's second seed, the Washington Justice. The Justice were one of 
only two teams to go into the knockouts with a 4-0 record and the favorites heading into the matchup. Something in the Florida Mayhem was upgraded for the knockout rounds, though. Tracer expert Yaki ran circles around enemies, but also flecked into, uh, to an impressive May. Main tank OG also had an excellent game, taking the Justice down with a dominant 3-1 scoreline. As surprising as the Mayhem win was, no team stunned fans and analysts quite like the Dallas Fuel. The team managed a clean sweep against the San Francisco Shock, last year's Grand Finals champions. San Francisco looked uncharacteristically sloppy, and Dallas didn't hesitate to take advantage of those mistakes. The season began with a battle for Texas, and the Western May Melee Finals also ended with one uh, with one since the Dallas Fuel moved on to the face the second-seeded Houston Outlaws. Houston have a, had a rem remarkable season, going 4-0 in qualifying matches, but the Dallas Fuel were warmed up and well-prepared. Thanks to impeccable coordination and team play, the Fuel swept the Outlaws, heading, handing them a shocking 3-0 loss. As a result, the Florida Mayhem and the Dallas Fuel rosters will be traveling to Hawaii over the next few days to face the top two Eastern teams. The May Melee Finals bracket begins on Thursday, May 6th at 9 p.m. CT when the Shanghai Dragons face off against the Florida Mayhem. So there you have it. That's what the uh, tournament looks like right now. That's a brief, brief look into uh, what happened in the knockout rounds there between the top teams there, um, or you know, in deciding the top teams, um, and uh, as well a, a quick look at the upcoming matches that I mentioned there already. So I like Liz's article here because it's just, you know, a little recap of, of how things went. Um, I'll dive a little bit more into some of those matches uh, because I did catch most of them on this this past weekend, um, but if, uh, if you just wanted a little summary, there you go. Now, let's see here. I think that's actually, yep, we're looking at our run of show here. That's actually all the news we got. So this does transition nicely into the OWL recap, recap, recap. Oh, uh, we have to get this thing moving again. All right. So we've got the schedule up here, the scoreboard from last week. First match of the weekend last week was on Thursday, April 29th, and we saw the Paris Eternal take on the Atlanta Rain. Now, Atlanta did wind up rolling or coming out on top with a score of 3-0 against the Paris Eternal. However, a few takeaways from this match. Um, I certainly didn't think that the uh, Paris Eternal looked too bad. Um, it was it was a bit of a question mark because, you know, everyone, I think in a lot of ways, is expecting Atlanta to uh, uh, be a, I don't know how to phrase it, more of a top contender than they have been in previous seasons. You know, they've always kind of played that gatekeeper team where they are kind of the, um, you know, they, they beat all the lower teams, but they can't beat any of the top teams. And I think so far this season, they have been looking like maybe they're finally figuring some things out. Maybe they're finally um, able to make some moves and going to uh, be more of a top contender and kind of break that cycle of not being able to beat any of the top teams and move into sort of that, I would argue, top, seven-ish maybe top five range um and honestly thus far we haven't really seen that um if i'm pulling up the standings here they are currently sitting in 12th with a record of one win and three losses now a couple of those matches have been close um this one in theory should have been an easy win for them and although they obviously did come out on top with a record of three and oh as i mentioned uh paris showing signs of being um a decent team being a, a stronger contender than maybe people would have given them credit for paris was obviously one of the uh you know in most people's power rankings one of the lower teams for the simple fact of they are mostly a rookie squad um you know with with the team undergoing a large overhaul in the offseason um but even still, I think uh, what they'd shown so far was that, yeah, you know, maybe they do have a little bit in them, um, you know, obviously some room to grow uh, and, and develop their players, develop their team kind of synergy and, and coordination. But ultimately, not all doom and gloom for Paris fans. Um, so certainly this was this was kind of a fun match to watch, if anything, to see, you know, Paris get a little more experience and see Atlanta kind of stretch their legs, if you will. Moving on from there... We then saw the Washington Justice take on the Boston Uprising. And now this match, again, Washington 
in most people's power rankings, I would say top three, if not top four, definitely top five this season. Um, so, and, and Boston on the other side of that towards the bottom of the power rankings, but certainly uh, not the very bottom where they've been kind of stuck in this cycle of being in the very, being, you know, one of the bottom three for the last couple of seasons. So again, I think people have been expecting a lot from Boston. People have really been wanting to see them do well, um, especially coming into this season, especially seeing them have uh, a little bit more, a little bit more going for them. Um, and certainly, I think uh, this match did not disappoint. Um, as I, mean, I don't know if I mentioned the record already, Washington did win, but it was three to one. So Boston being able to take a map off of uh, one of these top teams certainly shows that you know they're they're no slouches this round. Um, it's interesting seeing uh, uh, Valentine and I am thirty seven uh, on the DPS role for the simple fact of. Um, as we all know, and as we talked about just shortly before the season began, Soon was also supposed to be playing for them. Um, and having Soon on the, the hit scan rolls there certainly would have, I think, made a pretty big impact. Um, not only in the leadership, or I guess not only in the pure skill that he brings, because he is a very mechanically skilled player, but also in the leadership aspect and the experience he has in the league. Um, I, I definitely think that... Uh, he could have made a pretty decent impact on this squad, and it would have been really nice to to see him get to uh, participate, whereas now he's unfortunately um, out of the league entirely, at least for the time being. So we won't dwell on that too much because uh, these first couple matches were were a little bit, uh, you know, just, just the warm-ups, if, if you will. So let's move right on. We saw our first East matches after that on Friday. We saw the Los Angeles Valiant lose 0-3 to to the Guangzhou Charge. Um, I did not catch that game, obviously, but I don't know that I have too much to say about them either for the simple fact of Los Angeles and Guangzhou. Neither of those teams are doing too hot right now. I believe the Valiant uh, are in last overall in these standings, and yes, that is correct. Um, only only behind the London Spitfire and the Vancouver Titans in the map differential. So anyways, I digress. Moving on from there, the Seoul Dynasty took on the New York Excelsior. And again, although a lot of people had a lot of hype uh, with the New York Excelsior this season, um, I'm, I was glad to see Seoul come out on top because uh, I do like Seoul as a team in general. Um, but ultimately, I mean, things won't pan out for them too, too well, as we will find out shortly here. Continuing on from there, I, I will admit looking at the schedule here, the Thursday and Friday games in my mind uh, largely I think turned out, you know, for the most part exactly as most people expected and were honestly, I don't want to say it, but a little bit boring in a lot of ways, a little maybe just a little bit too predictable. Um, like I just said with, you know, Washington and Boston, good to see Boston taking a map off Washington. But other than that, I mean, I just talked about three uh, three out of four of the games I just talked about were, were all three and O's, right? Um, and although maybe a little more competitive than than the score indicates, uh, certainly not, not the most competitive. Uh, moving on from the Seoul-New York game, the Shanghai Dragons then took on the Hangzhou Spark, came out on top three to two. So again, you know, Shanghai ultimately coming out with the win, but Shanghai, as we know, has been seemingly struggling this this season already. Um, not the dominant force that everyone thought they would be, but as we'll see, this was uh, maybe just the start of uh, turning around the weekend for them. Moving on to the Friday matches there, we saw what was probably the most, in my opinion, interesting match of the Thursday-Friday there um, in the Boston Uprising taking on the London Spitfire. So if we look at the standings here, Boston Uprising sitting in 16th place tied with uh, New York, London Spitfire sitting in 19th place. Now the Boston Uprising have a record of 1-3, where London has a 0-4 and four record. Obviously, going into this match, they would have had the same record there. So this was actually a pretty exciting match because, like I said before, you know, a lot of people, I think, at this point want to see Boston doing well, but you could definitely say the same about the London Spitfire. Um, London Spitfire has a bit more of an sort of interesting arc coming into this season, being that they, uh, you know, completely nuked their previous roster in the offseason and brought essentially the entire uh, British Hurricane roster from contenders into the Overwatch League 
uh, to form the you know 2021 London Spitfire. So a lot of people had uh, a lot of um, good things to say about the contenders team, and it is always a bit of a question, you know, how is a contenders team gonna gonna fare in the Overwatch League? Obviously, when uh, the former Runaway Squad became the Vancouver Titans, um, we all saw how they did. Uh, how they did there and uh, Vancouver becoming a dominant force but I also think that that was largely meta dependent and we've never seen that kind of thing happen again so anyways it was really uh, kind of a fun match to watch very back and forth um, you know if I'm looking at the match summary the first round was Ilios and it went two to one for Boston uh, round two was Temple of Anubis which went two to one for London Map three was Blizzard World, where it went back to Boston with three to two. We went to Dorado, where London took it one to zero. And of course, then it went to map five uh, on Lijiang Tower, where Boston took it two to one. So even on the control maps there, you see it was it was not entirely one-sided, right? Um, it was definitely one team taking one, the other team taking the other, and then ultimately that, that first team taking the final round there. Um, so anyways... Very interesting stuff. Um, exciting to see. I personally, in my mind, I think if I took a look at my pickums, I think I did pick Boston to win this for the the simple fact of uh, some of uh, crossing my fingers for them. Honestly, I think they have less of a rookie squad, even though both teams are are very largely rookie squads. But like you know, on Boston, I I'm definitely a fan of Myung Bong, um, and I I liked seeing Punk come in towards the end of last season, if I recall correctly. Um, so. Anyways, Boston ultimately coming out on top, and I think in a lot of ways, you know, a win that they needed uh, largely for their confidence. You know, when it comes to the London Spitfire, obviously they could use the win for their confidence as well, but London being the more rookie squad, I think there is a little bit more wiggle room, a little bit more forgiveness, um, whereas I, w- I want to see Boston uh, not just be Boston again. I-, I would like to see them have some growth and, and make some make some significant strides, so... That was a, a fun match to watch, though. Next up, we had uh, two matches that I was very much looking forward to, both of them, and I was also very much hoping that uh, they would go the exact opposite way they both went. So still on Friday, April 30th, we saw the San Francisco Shock take on the Florida Mayhem and just absolutely roll them. San Francisco crushed the Mayhem 3-0. and um, There really was not a lot to talk about. If I remember correctly, it was like... One of one of the quickest matches I've ever seen. Um, like it might have been a thirty minute match and it was over kind of thing. Um, I didn't pull up stats like that or anything, but ultimately Florida just looked confused. I don't know if they were scared or what it was, but they just got destroyed. So there, there really wasn't much to say about that. Um, if I recall, I was watching that match partway through. I had to go run an errand or something. I got back and it was already done, and I just I knew exactly what happened at that point. So. Not a ton to say about that. Moving on from there, uh, still on Friday, April 30th, the Toronto Defiant took on the Washington Justice, and this time Washington just flattened Toronto. Um, so again, not a lot to say about this match either. Um, not not as quick. I would argue maybe a little more, um, a little more competitive. <laughs> maybe, maybe a little. But Washington ultimately just really seem to take advantage of the holes that Toronto has. Um, you know, I, I'm still a big fan of Toronto's lineup with with Hisu and Naist on DPS, um, and as well as Sato and Michelle on uh, the tank role. And although I like Lastro on uh, support, and I I mean, I, I don't really have much to say about Ansun Jay, it seemed a lot like Washington was just absolutely taking advantage of Toronto's backline and just knew exactly how to, how to play them. So ultimately... Again, not a ton to say on that match. Uh, just unfortunate how it turned out for Toronto because that did mean uh, that Toronto, I believe at that point, was already out of the May Melee tournament, um, whereas Florida still ultimately had a chance to to make it in there. Um, actually, you know what? Looking ahead, uh, I think both teams were not actually eliminated at that point. So um, anyways, both teams definitely would have liked to have the win, but at the same time, I don't know that both teams would have honestly expected to get the win either just given the two teams they were facing so moving on from there we moved on to saturday uh saturday in the east region the seoul dynasty took on the los angeles valiant seoul came out on top three and oh then the guangzhou charge took on the hangzhou spark with hangzhou coming out three and oh and finally in the eastern region the shanghai dragons took on the new york excelsior and three and owed 
uh, them. So again, bunch of three and O's in the Eastern region there. Definitely, I think we're starting to see um, the top versus the bottom forming, uh, especially in the East. Um, and Shanghai, I mean, although New York again has had their struggles this season already, um, Shanghai may be kind of looking like they're starting to get their groove back, which as we will see again, definitely pans out for them. So then moving over to the Western region, our first game on Saturday in the West was the Florida Mayhem taking on the Paris Eternal. And we again, uh, similar to Paris's previous score on Thursday there, uh, Florida took it three to one against Paris. So again, we applaud Paris for taking a map off Florida, but ultimately Florida coming out on top and yay Florida because that was uh, who I wanted to see win. Moving on from there, another match I wanted to watch and another match I definitely expected the uh, correct outcome was the Toronto Defiant taking on the London Spitfire and uh, Toronto coming out on top 3-1 to one again. Now this time, it is important to highlight that uh, London managed to take a map off Toronto. Um, although, you know, in, Bo in the Boston game, they took two maps, but Boston and London are definitely two bottom teams. Whereas uh, the Toronto Defiant, although not a top team, uh, they definitely have some, you know, top players in the league right now. They're, I'm just looking at the standings, they are sitting ninth right now. So for the second last place London Spitfire to take a map off the ninth place team, definitely looks good uh, and promising for London. So Good on them for uh, for coming out with that. But ultimately, I wanted Toronto to win, and Toronto won. So yay, Toronto. Moving on from there, the next game uh, on Saturday there, the final game of the day, was the San Francisco Shock taking on the Atlanta Reign. Now, when it comes to this match, there was quite a bit riding on this. Um, if I remember correctly, there was a graphic that they showed on the Watchpoint show Um where it actually highlighted if San Francisco wins, these two teams are in, these two teams are out in terms of the tournament. If San Francisco loses by one map, these two teams are in, these two teams are out. Uh, and then uh, if they win by two, the same thing. And then if they win by three, Atlanta, the same thing. So there was a lot riding on this single match because of San Francisco's, you know, maybe a little bit rocky start. And because of um, the Atlanta Reigns, you know, promising start, I will say. Um, promising in that they've been able to take maps off some top teams and things like that. Ultimately, it did go the way of San Francisco with them coming out 3-2. Uh, to two. And I'm just pulling up the actual map breakdown here. Um, the first round went to the Atlanta Reign. The second round went to the San Francisco Shock. The third round went to the Atlanta Reign. And then we moved on to Havana, where San Francisco managed to get it 3-0. three and oh. So Atlanta didn't even get one checkpoint, whereas San Francisco went the whole way. This was kind of, in a lot of ways, in my mind, sort of a turning point. Uh, although, you know, it was match map four. Um, but San Francisco ultimately tying it up with that map, and they really just looked like they they shut down Atlanta at that point. Um, you know, a, a little bit like Atlanta at that point just felt boomed and couldn't go on any further. And then San Francisco took the uh, final control map on Nepal, 2-0. So anyways, uh, definitely close, definitely interesting with Atlanta bringing San Francisco to the brink. Um, you know, not quite a reverse sweep there, uh, but... As I mentioned, you know, Atlanta was at match point, and then they fumbled it. So, anyways, moving on from there, we go back to the Eastern region for our Sunday games, where the Shanghai Dragons took on the Philadelphia Fusion in a much-anticipated match of, uh, you know, the former top dogs in the in the Eastern region against the, uh, you know, one of the current top two teams in the Eastern region. And ultimately, this was a really good game. Uh, it actually went... Six rounds, they had a draw on the uh, second map, Volskaya Industries, both teams taking it two and two. And ultimately, towards the end, I don't know what happened, but Philadelphia looked like they really just dropped the ball. Kind of, in a lot of ways, a similar story to the San Francisco-Atlanta match that I just talked about. Um, but ultimately, map five was Ilios, um, and it, you know Shanghai took it two to one. But Ultimately, at that point, Philadelphia looked a lot less coordinated. They looked a lot more scrambled. Um, it's really hard to say what exactly happened there, uh, but it just seemed like, uh, for whatever reason, Shanghai had the confidence at that point, and they really just 
kind of imposed their will. The The last map there was uh, Gibraltar, Watchpoint Gibraltar. And it was very back and forth with seemingly a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of amazing plays, uh, especially in the end there. It, Shanghai took it five to four, so it obviously went into extra rounds, and that kind of just demonstrates the the level of competitiveness between the two teams. But towards the end, both teams wound up in in overtime, pushing the cart, just standing on it, and it was tense for a little bit there. If if you didn't catch that match, and if you're interested, I would definitely recommend. Going back to this match, watch the whole thing if you can. If not, just fast forward to Gibraltar and watch that final map because that was exciting. Uh, no matter which way you cut it, if you're a Shanghai fan, if you're a Philadelphia fan, it was exciting to watch. Moving on from there, our next Eastern Region matchup and the final one of the weekend was the Chengdu Hunters taking on the Seoul Dynasty. And ultimately, Chengdu took it 3-1, to one, which, if I'm being honest, I don't think surprised too many people. Um, I think the surprise would be Shanghai in the previous game beating Philadelphia. So those two matches sealed the deal and sent Shanghai to the uh, May Melee Tournament as well as the Chengdu Hunters. Now, moving on, still on Sunday, our final day of the weekend, we then had four matches in the Western region to decide who ultimately would go to the um, to the May Melee Tournament. Uh the first matchup was the Toronto Defiant playing the Florida Mayhem. This match for me was uh, tough to watch from a number of, 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 of angles. Uh, the first of which being I'm a Toronto fan, but I'm also a Florida fan. The second of which being uh, if I had to pick one, I would probably lean towards Toronto because... Uh, Ultimately, it comes down to the Canadian pride thing, and I want a Canadian team to be doing well. It was also difficult to watch in that Florida seemingly rolled Toronto. Um, these matches that Florida, up, up to this point in the weekend, every match Florida and Toronto played, for me, solidified what I said after, I don't remember if I said it after week one or week two. Uh, but I said at one point that both teams looked great at times and at other times looked like uh, they were really missing that team synergy, that coordination amongst their players. You know, a lot of the time I think that comes down to shot calling, that comes down to leadership on the team. It looked like both teams at times were scrambling and just didn't know uh, which way was up. Um, you know, didn't have that uh, that sort of composure that you need, um, especially when you're down, you know, 2-0 and or, or even 2-1 to one and things like that. Um, so up to this point, if I had to pick one team going into this match, I probably would have said that Florida would come out on top. I definitely would have thought it would be more competitive than it was uh, because Florida ultimately rolled Toronto. But, you know, they could have been doing VOD reviews. They could have been studying those matches and everything because ultimately for Toronto, this was their final match of the weekend. If they had won it, this could have pushed them to the uh, to the tournament. Now, I say could have because it all depends on some of the other matches. Uh, but ultimately, uh, Florida came out on top, meaning they had one more game to play, and uh, that would decide if they went to the main melee or not. Moving on from there, the next match of the day was the Dallas Fuel taking on the San Francisco Shock. Now, as we all know, if if we watched uh, the games and we watched Watchpoint, um, there it certainly there were people that believed the Dallas Fuel could take this match. Um, although the predictions on the desk didn't necessarily reflect that, uh, Johnny Reinforce did definitely talk about the fact that he almost went with the Dallas Fuel. And man, if he had done that, people would have been singing his praises as a prophet because Dallas came out on top 3-0 over the San Francisco, San Francisco Shock, over the former two-time grand champions. So what happened on this match? Honestly, um, I don't have a ton <laughs> to, to explain that. Um, if I had to guess, I mean, I think a big part of the problem that they're seeing is with uh, the problem that San Francisco is seeing, sorry, is with their uh, DPS lineup. Um, it really is becoming more and more apparent the impact that Ons had on the team last year. 
Um, and, you know, seeing Violet jump to the DPS role, although interesting, exciting, fun, funny, um, all those things, I think he, he certainly just doesn't fill the same role as Ons. Uh, that's not to say he's not skilled, because he definitely is skilled. Um, and certainly when he flexes onto the DPS role, they often bring in Twilight to fill in for him, which I'm a big fan of Twilight, obviously being a, a former Vancouver Titans fan. Um, but ultimately, I think Dallas, is, Dallas was coming into this match hot, um, and and ready to rumble and they knew what they needed to do and maybe it was maybe their own vod review who knows but ultimately they rolled vancouver 3-0 and it was a, a really fun really exciting match moving on from there the florida mayhem took on the washington justice now this match ultimately uh in most people's minds i think was the match to send the washington justice to the may melee tournament but that is not the way things went with florida coming out on top three to one so the first map was Oasis, and it went 2-1 to one for Florida. Second map was Volskaya, which went 2-1 to one for Washington. And then Florida took Kings Row 1-0, and and also took Dorado 1-0. So what exactly happened here? Um, I think a lot of people, well, I mean, I know I've talked about a lot of people had Washington very highly rated this season, uh, definitely thought they could go all the way, top three team, top five team, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but ultimately, I think what we saw here was largely uh, relied on two, maybe three players on the Florida team. And those would be Yaki popping off, because, I mean, he pretty consistently pops off, but always exciting to see him popping off in the DPS role. The second was OG really, uh, I don't know, figuring out how to play with his team, um, or the team really figuring out how to support him and and making helping him to be successful. And he absolutely just dominated the tank line. And then, in my humble opinion, we also saw Slime, who, again, you know, former Vancouver Titans fan here, so maybe I'm a little bit biased. But I think he really plays well with OG. Um, there's I, I heard a comparison once of OG being compared to Bumper on the former Vancouver Titans, where he does like to rush in he does like to charge he does like to have the team play around him in that way and i think with slime who also has experience with uh, with that style being from bumper um i think that's when we we definitely saw um a lot of the the synergy playing around that and a lot of the sort of group mentality being able to help them dominate the washington justice so really exciting to see that match um and just just awesome defying expectations all over the place here, you know, with Dallas beating San Francisco and then with Florida beating the Washington Justice. So, and that takes us into our final match of the weekend, which of course was the Dallas Fuel taking on the Houston Outlaws. So not only did Dallas beat the San Francisco Shock, the former Grand Champs, that set up a battle for Texas, uh, a revenge match for the Dallas Fuel to take on the Houston Outlaws. Now, the Houston Outlaws at the time, sitting top of the leaderboard, I believe, in the West, um, the uh, one of uh, one of two teams with a 4-0 record going into this match, Washington only losing their 4-0 record uh, because of the previous match, and as we saw in this match, Houston losing their 4-0 record uh, against the Dallas Fuel. Dallas ultimately taking it 3-0. So what really happened here, uh, just ultimately just... Dallas dominating Houston. Um, this one was, I don't want to say one-sided because Houston definitely did put up a fight. You know, second round was Volskaya and it went three to two for Houston. So Houston still getting, you know, two CP. Um, and then the final map was Blizzard World with Dallas ultimately taking it four to three. So it's not like Houston did nothing, but Dallas ultimately being able to play this Symmetra comp, especially on Blizzard World, that just left when left unchecked uh really took advantage of houston and you know symmetra obviously the longer she's out the more damage she's dealing uh and the 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 hotter the microwave gets kind of thing so exciting to see this match uh yeah visually stunning if you will i love the blues and the greens and the blacks and the dark blues and etc etc but anyways i digress uh dallas just coming out on top of houston and ultimately sending the dallas fuel to Hawaii for the May Melee Tournament, the Houston Outlaws packing, and ultimately uh, they will meet the Florida Mayhem in Hawaii for the tournament. So, so there you have it. That's what our previous week uh, looked like in the Overwatch League. 
And now we have a fantastic May Melee tournament upcoming this week, starting on Thursday, May 6th, which, uh, you know, at the time of this posting will be tomorrow. So now without further ado, we will take a look at our upcoming matches, although only a few of them have been decided. Uh, but we're going to first go talk to our little friend, Watson. There's no stopping me. All right, so let's look at our power rankings with IBM Watson. If you don't know, this is a new deal that the Overwatch League has with IBM, uh, where they have their AI-powered, uh, I don't know, robot Watson, basically analyze the league, analyze the players, analyze the teams, and ultimately assign them scores. Um, and then, you know, we get our, our rankings of overall player rankings. We get them broken out by role as well as uh, the teams. So I want to take a look at this because this is exciting. Uh, let's start with the tank lineup. So our number one position tank right now is OG with the Florida Mayhem. Number two is Fearless with the Dallas Fuel. Number three is Gaga with the Chengdu Hunters. Number four is Hanbin, also with the Dallas Fuel. And number five is Piggy with uh, the Houston Outlaws. And then, uh, just because it's worth mentioning, number six is Mag with the Washington Justice. So, interesting thing here is the spread amongst the top. Uh, let's see, let's see, where does it drop off kind of thing? Uh, so if we're looking at the top eight, they are all scored, uh, in the one thirties with the exception being OG in first place with one forty. So not a huge spread there. Um, you know, from seven to number two, uh, with everyone is within three points. So that's fearless Gaga, Hanbin, Piggy, Mag, and Gargoyle. Uh, number eight is Elsa, but he has one thirty-one, So a little bit a little bit lower and number one like i said is og with with 140 points so interesting stuff there now one thing i always point out is that ibm watson's rankings here will will only get more accurate as the season goes on uh because the more data that's inputted into here the you know the more points of analysis it has uh to make these judgment calls so what we're looking at here with og in first place is him increasing or, or moving up seven positions fearless moves up 11 Gaga moves up two, Hanbin moves up 10, and Piggy drops four. So that's, of course, because, you know, Piggy dropping is because um, the Houston Outlaws, formerly on top, obviously record of 4-0, and um, and then losing to the Dallas Fuel, who previously had not the best record, if I'm looking at Dallas's record. They're 4-2 and two right now, so they, you know, they weren't without wins, um, but they did have a couple losses under their their belt where, where Houston didn't. So interesting to see that. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I mean, that's also obviously why we see Hanbin climbing up 10 positions as well. So moving on from there, let's go to the damage roll. So top five, five? Yeah, we'll go top five for damage. Number one is Yaki with the Florida Mayhem. Number two is Leave with the Chengdu Hunters. Number three is Happy with the Houston Outlaws. Number four is Assassin. And number five is Lip. So what we're looking at here, we see Yaki moving up 10 positions we see leave with the Chengdu hunters moving up three happy with the houston outlaws dropping two assassin who of course plays for the washington justice moving uh up two and lip with the uh, uh shanghai dragons sorry uh doesn't actually have a positional ranking so i'm guessing that means watson actually hadn't seen him play yet maybe um or it just didn't have enough um enough data points to actually rank him before whereas now it does and he's coming in at fifth place so definitely good for him to to see him slot in there um and that top, top five ranking only five points uh different between them so yaki in first place with 135 and then lip with 130 uh tied for fourth with well i mean tied with assassin in fourth for 130 points as well happy with the the houston outlaws only one point ahead of them with 131 and then leave a couple ahead with 133 so Again, not a huge spread amongst those those kind of top five. If we want to extend it out, I mean, even six, seven, eight, nine are only going from 
you know, 129 to 127. So lots of lots of impressive stats there. Um, those positions that I just mentioned being Decay with Washington, BQB with the Florida Mayhem, Doha with the Dallas Fuel, and Sparkle with the Dallas Fuel as well. So again, we're really seeing these we're seeing these teams that are now coming out with wins over the teams that were previously very highly ranked, uh, starting to climb the ladder because they're proving, hey, just because the Houston Outlaws had a record of 4-0 doesn't mean we can't beat them. Just because the Washington Justice had a record of 4-0 doesn't mean we can't beat them. So exciting stuff there. Now, support is always one of the interesting ones to me because, um, you know, I'd love to know how Washington actually truly ranks support roles because they're always a little more, a little more difficult to quantify. Um, you know, it's the, the classic, uh, Overwatch meme where, you know, support roles never, never get the player of the game because it's next to impossible for a support player to, uh, be appropriately rated, uh, for their impact on a team's play. Um, so anyways, let's dive into the top top five here number one is Gangnam Jin with the Florida Mayhem number two is Fielder with the Dallas Fuel number three is Bebe with the Washington Justice number four is Alarm with the Philadelphia Fusion and number five is Iziaki with the Shanghai Dragons so here we do see a little bit more variance um, number one Gangnam Jin is at 141 whereas number five is at 130 so a lot more of a range there now you want to talk positions three to five so Bebe, Alarm, Iziaki, they are all 133 to 130. The top two in Gangnam Jin and Fielder are 141 and 139 respectively. So those two have a pretty significant lead over the other teams. So you can kind of see again, um, I hope this is interesting to other people because this is very interesting to me. Um, That kind of shows, uh, I don't know, like a little peek into Watson's brain uh, I know it doesn't have a brain, it's a robot, but I digress. Um, and just how it's analyzing things and the the impact that it knows these players are having on their teams who might not be the, the um, you know, most winningest teams, if you will, again, comparing them to the Washington Justice and, and the Houston Outlaws, um, or even, in a lot of ways, the Philadelphia Fusion, the Chengdu Hunters, even though we see alarm with the Philadelphia Fusion up there. But to talk about that, I mean, Philadelphia Fusion Alarm dropping three places uh, into fourth place. And like I said, there's that variance of Gangnam Jin now has a score of 141 and Alarm is sitting at 132. So almost 10 points there, you know, nine points, but I digress. Um, So interesting to see that there. Um, Interesting to see Alarm with Philadelphia Fusion, you know, showing up in that top five, uh, given that we didn't see that previously. Um, the only teams we saw from the Eastern region in uh, in the top five for damage and tank were, of course, the Chengdu Hunters and the Shanghai Dragons, which interesting that Shanghai is now climbing in there because, um, you know, they were certainly not the winningest team over in the Eastern region. Um, looking a little bit more at the rankings there, I just kind of wanted to take a peek here and see what else we've got. Um, you know, some surprises, I think, for a lot of people are the fact that Violet on the support role is sitting in 15th place, um, you know, 119. Uh, so more than 20 points away from, from first place. I'm actually curious where he sits on the damage roll. I'm just going to take a quick peek here. Oh, cool. I didn't know. Cool. You can click on the players. I never, I never bothered to do that. Oh, he doesn't actually rank on the damage roll. Darn. That would have been interesting, but, um, anyways that's kind of cool when you click on the player it shows their their profile and it shows their kind of charts their rankings um from week to week so that's interesting moving on from there oh wow and look at that it shows team role region and their time played interesting so gangnam jin two hours and 55 minutes and 50 seconds played compared to fielder with two hours and eight minutes okay okay very interesting Oh, and the Dallas Fuel have this cool little blue fire behind them on their player profile pictures. What is up with that? That's really neat. Oh, oh, okay. So does Iziaki with the Shanghai Dragons. Why is that? I bet that's like a, let's see. Jexy with the Dallas Fuel also has that, and he's moved 10 positions. I bet it's 10 or more. Oh, no, Creative has moved 9, and he has it as well. Let's see, 7. Okay, seven also has it. What is the cutoff? Faith and moving five positions has it as well. Four, Gangnam Jin. Gangnam Jin does not have it. So I wonder if it's like 
five or more FD God. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Figured it out. It's five or more. Um, if you move five or more positions up, then you get this cool blue fire behind your profile picture. So that's kind of dope. But anyways, <clears throat> I digress. That was a, a weird tangent to go on. Let's take a peek here at the overall rankings of players now. I really hope this is interesting to other people because I find this fascinating. Um, personally, listening to it, I would be like, I want to see what they're talking about here. Uh, so hopefully I'm doing a good enough job describing it. I, I won't spend too much time on the overall rankings because I do want to move on to the um, the team rankings, which are arguably you know, more interesting to most people because I, I don't think most people get this granular with it. But then I also want to do the pickums and take a quick peek, make some predictions for the tournament. So let's see here overall player rankings we have gangnam jin in the first place moving 16 spots with a score of 141 number two is og number three is fielder uh sorry og with the florida mayhem as well number three is fielder with the dallas fuel number four is fearless with the dallas fuel and number five is gaga with the chengdu hunters now looking at the point spread yeah i'm gonna cut it there because a lot of these are, are kind of i mean repeats but also a lot of the same teams and things like that. And the score is is not incredibly varied uh, in this top bracket kind of thing. So uh, pretty much everyone in the top 10, uh, in fact, everyone in the top 10 with the exception of Piggy is has moved significantly. And that's because a lot of them are the Dallas Fuel and the Florida Mayhem. Now there's also Washington Justice sneaking in there with Mag in ninth. Uh, there's also uh, Gaga sneaking in there in fifth with uh, the Chengdu Hunters, of course. So, interesting thing we see here. I mean, Gangnam Jin, obviously very highly rated right now. He's one of two uh, support roles in the top 10. Outside of that, uh, a lot of tanks, which kind of shows that tanks are making a huge impact this season. Um, and in fact, only one DPS, which actually is really interesting. And that one is Yaki, moving 29 spots into eighth position. So really interesting stuff there um you know piggy is the only one that's moved down he's moved down six positions so he would have been in second last week is that correct one two three four five six he would have been first last week um which i certainly wouldn't argue with um you know that that lineup of piggy and jangu on on um on the tank line for houston definitely a killer lineup uh, especially when you have happy on the dps there um and looking at this i actually don't see jangu anywhere at least not in the top. Oh, he's number 33. So he's tanked significantly. He's dropped 28 positions. So he would have been in fifth before. Um, so interesting stuff there and interesting to see how those kind of change. In fact, all of the top 12, with the exception of Piggy, uh, being new entries or, or moving up the ranks, obviously. So let's scroll on down a whole bunch and we're going to jump on over to the team rankings. Now, the team rankings, let's see what we've got here. Uh, top five, Florida Mayhem in first, Dallas Fuel in second, Chengdu Hunters in third, Washington Justice in fourth, and the Houston Outlaws in fifth. Actually, I'm going to read the sixth as well. The Philadelphia Fusion in sixth, and I'll read the seventh. Shanghai Dragons in seventh. So interesting stuff there because obviously Florida and Dallas coming out with big wins over previously top teams in the Washington Justice and the Houston Outlaws. So that's why we see Houston dropping four spots. Washington, it doesn't say they've dropped, so maybe they just stayed the same. Um, but Philadelphia also dropping because they had a great record, and then uh, uh, they lost to the Shanghai Dragons, and that's why we see the Shanghai Dragons moving up. So interesting stuff there. Um, looking around a little bit more, uh, San Francisco sitting in ninth place. Uh, no indicator for positional movements on their part, so I'm guessing they were in ninth before. Toronto dropping significantly, dropping four spots to tenth, which sucks as a Toronto fan. Los Angeles Gladiators dropping three spots to eleventh, um, and then a little bit of movement in the lower areas there. Atlanta moving two spots up to twelfth. Hangzhou moving two spots up to 13th. Boston moving four spots up to 14th, so good for them. Um, Vancouver Titans, <laughs> which I'll talk about simply because, like I said, lapsed Vancouver Titans fan and, you know, Canadian fan here. Uh, dropping two positions to 18th. The London Spitfire moving out of last place into 19th. And the Los Angeles Valiant dropping three spots to number 20. So 
So there you have it. That's our look at the power rankings with IBM Watson. Hopefully that was not too dry. Uh, hopefully I, I explained things well enough that you could follow and enjoyed your ride with me there. But uh, I digress. I had fun and I like analyzing this stuff. So yeah. Now to close out the show, uh, we're going to move on to my pickums and I will make some short predictions. I'm, I don't tend to predict too much when it comes to the tournaments just because um, I don't really know why. Uh, but I will, given that we have the pickums, I will make my selections. So yeah, let's get on over there. Excuse me for dropping in. Okay, it's a good thing this was a uh, short news week because uh, obviously I have talked quite a bit about the rankings, the power rankings, the previous matches, etc., etc. So let's hop over to my pickums, and of course, because it's a tournament and a lot of the results are undecided until the tournament happens. Um, we have a only two games to predict at this very moment. So our first matchup will be the first match we will see of the season with the East clashing against the West. It is the Shanghai Dragons taking on the Florida Mayhem. Now, oh man, oh man. Obviously, I want Florida to go all the way because in terms of, you know, this tournament and the teams that made it in, Florida is my team. Florida is the one that I want to see go all the way. Do I think they have what it takes? Not really. Um, as I mentioned when I was talking about Florida and Toronto, uh, I think if Florida is on, if Florida can show up, if they can have that team synergy, if they can work together, if they have that shot calling, if they can rally around OG um, and Yaki and BQB in a lot of ways because the two of them really pop off, then they they definitely could. Um, but as we've seen, you know that doesn't always happen, and it will be really interesting to see if the Shanghai Dragons, who you know struggled at the very start of the season, have now found their footing. Oh, man, this sucks. But ultimately, I'm going to give it to the Shanghai Dragons. I'm going to give it to them. See, and my, my challenge with these pickums <laughs> is that I always, I always go to follow my heart and say to myself, no, I'll give the other team more credit. And then I go 3-1 to one or 3-2 to two instead of 3-0. and oh, And that ends up biting me in the ass. But you know what? In this case, I gotta follow my heart. I'm going three to two for the Shanghai Dragons. I'm gonna give Florida more credit than than I think they necessarily uh, <laughs> deserve at this point. But hey, maybe they will prove me wrong. So that of course moves Shanghai onto the winners round two. We then will see the Dallas Fuel take on the Chengdu Hunters. Now Chengdu, I know very little about. I don't think I've really watched any of their games. I have watched some of Shanghai, as I talked about. I'm going to give this one to the Dallas Fuel. I'm going to say they take it 3-1. to one. And I'm going to say that because I think Dallas is probably the biggest wild card in this tournament. Things could really go their way or they could really go wrong. And I think that is largely dependent on what Dallas decides to play. Um, yeah, because they've been very, very erratic with... Uh, with how they're playing and things like that. So that of course means that Shanghai Dragons will take on the Dallas Fuel on Friday, May 7th. And we will also in the loser's bracket see the Florida Mayhem take on the Chengdu Hunters. Now, I'm gonna give it to Florida because I want Florida to go on. And again, I just know so little about Chengdu. I really should have looked into them a little bit more. I'm gonna say Florida takes it three to one, knocking the Chengdu Hunters out of the tournament entirely. Continuing with the Friday matches, uh, the Shanghai Dragons taking on the Dallas Fuel. I'm going to say that the you know, this is going to... Mm, oh, man, this is tough. <laughs> Ultimately, I want to see Dallas and Florida play because they're the teams that I know the most because I don't follow the uh, the eastern... No, yes, the eastern region a ton. Um, I, I'm just, I'm just going to follow my heart. I'm going to give it to the Dallas Fuel. I'm going to say they take it over Shanghai three to two that of course knocks shanghai into the losers bracket for elimination round two where they would take on the florida mayhem they've already beaten the florida mayhem though i'm gonna say that they learn that the shanghai dragons take advantage of their previous experiences against florida 
even more, and Florida booms themselves a lot, being in their own head. And I'm going to say Shanghai takes it 3-1, to one, which then puts the Dallas Fuel taking on the Shanghai Dragons for a rematch. <laughs> so rematch number one in that round, and then rematch number two. And ultimately, what do I think is going to happen at that point? I'm going to, shit. I'm going to say if Shanghai can win that match against Florida, they take it. Uh, and it is first to four. I'm going to say they take it four to two. Uh, only the grand finals uh, matchup there is first to four. So, yeah, that's what I have, man. That's an interesting bracket because I have Shanghai winning, then Shanghai losing, then Shanghai winning, then Shanghai winning, ultimately winning it all. I have Florida losing, then winning, then losing. I have Chengdu losing and losing. But then I have Dallas winning and then winning and then losing. Ooh, that could be... See, the challenge here in my mind is that I very much see the Dallas Fuel and the Shanghai Dragons as being those teams that when they get on a hot streak, when they win a match, they can't be stopped. They just keep on winning. Whereas Florida, I think if Florida gets... If Florida doesn't seem super competitive against Shanghai in that first round, I think there's a good chance they boom themselves and they go into that loser's bracket not in the best mindset and they could be first out now i know obviously i just predicted chengdu will be first out but i just could see them booming themselves even if they win a match in the in the elimination round they then take on the same team that they already played potentially uh, the, that they already lost to to get sent into the loser's bracket and i just see them i don't know if they have the the mental wherewithal to to face them again so I worry that Florida could boom themselves. I know next to nothing about Chengdu. I see Shanghai and Dallas both as being wild cards. Um, you know, Shanghai, like I said, I think their biggest strength is are have they found their footing? Are they on a roll? And then Dallas's real strength being are they on a hot streak right now? Um, so, yeah, that's that's interesting. That's where I land. I'm gonna I'm gonna lock that in. Where's the save button? Submit bracket. Bracket locks in one day, 20 hours. So one day would be Wednesday. 20 hours would be Thursday. All right. I'm not going to save my bracket. I might adjust it after I can catch the next episode of Tactical Crouch. <laughs> um, okay. Anyways, that's it for the pickums. That's it for the upcoming games. After that, of course, so that is week four in the Overwatch League, where we see play May 6th through 8th. So it's Thursday through Saturday, so no games on Sunday, actually. No games on Sunday, May 9th. And that actually means that after that, our next matches will be... Uh, when are they? Uh, looking at the schedule here, they don't actually have the dates posted for week five. I believe there's a week uh, by week. Um, I could be wrong, I guess, but I'm fairly certain there are no matches on the weekend of the 14, 15, 16. So we might be returning the 21, 22, 23. It could even be the 28, 29, 30, because I know the Vancouver Titans don't play again until May 28th. So if that's the case, uh, we will talk again on May 11th slash 12th for my birthday episode. Um, and we will, of course, talk about the results of the May Melee Tournament, and we will find out for sure. Hopefully, we will know what the upcoming schedule is and when we can expect to see play again. So that's it for me. Um, that was episode 39 of One Man Watchpoint, an Overwatch podcast, where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. If this was your first episode, I'm your host, Sir Dr. JM. That's at Sir D-R-J-M. Give me that sweet, sweet follow on Twitter, please. And reach out to me, interact with me, engage with me, DM me. I don't care. Um, if you have topics, suggestions, anything you'd like me to discuss or, or talk about on the show, I will do my best to satisfy your needs. You can, of course, find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services out there. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, etc., etc. Give us a follow, leave us a review, tell your friends, and, of course, tell me, if you can't find the podcast on a podcast service of your choice. That's it for episode 39. Tune in next week where we will no doubt dissect the results of the May Melee Tournament and have a good weekend. A good weekend and a good weekend. And enjoy the games this weekend. <laughs>